What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a Wednesday evening edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Old friend Yovan Bua, who I have not talked to in way, 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 way too long, over there on the West Coast in Los Angeles. Yovan, good evening, sir. How are you? Doing well. I uh, can't believe we're we're about 48 hours away from pre- or less than 48 hours at this point uh, away from preseason basketball. It's, it's the shortest offseason ever. I am not going to watch any of the preseason. Can we go ahead and just get ready for just like the Hawks and teams that have not played together in nine months? Just what it's going to look like. I, I have no interest. I can't watch it. I think it's just going to drive me nuts. Are you going to study it intently or are you just going to have it on the background? I'm going to be at the game. Oh, uh, okay. It's uh, Lakers Clippers opening night, mm-hmm. um, as it's also going to be <laughs> opening night. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going to be there. I uh, hope I don't get sick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's going to be like the media in like one section together, which is kind of scary. Uh, okay. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't, Already, you saw Frank Vogel said that uh, LeBron and AD are probably not going to play. So I would assume um, the Clippers will do something similar with Kawhi or PG. And and if not, you know if if they play them, they'll play like ten minutes or something. So I'm not going to take much away from it. I am interested to see. Um, I do think sometimes you start to see the rotation a little bit, or or at least um, which players are. Uh, kind of first in, in the pecking order, you know, particularly off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you might, they might tip their hand on a starting lineup, even though I think for the Clippers, the, their starting lineup is, is pretty straightforward. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I have to, I, I have to write about it. I'm going to be there, but um, I'm not going to put too much stock into it. And I, I think that's, especially coming off of this condensed uh, off season, although, you know, depending on the team, some of them had the longest off season ever. Um, I think most teams are going to be easing back into uh, like full-on basketball contact. So uh, I, I do think most teams are going to take it very conservatively and uh, play, you know, 12, 13 guys per, per usual and treat it more like the last preseason game uh, mm-hmm. rather than like the first. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be, it's going to be cool to see Cam and Trey and all the guys back. And as the, my West coast, eventually when I make, Make the move. You you've seen me in my Clippers hat, Yovan. You know I'm a I'm a Clippers <laughs> supporter. Um, I am very interested to see what the Clippers look like because we'll, we'll get into Clippers because there's some stuff I want to ask you about with that. But um, yeah. So we'll we'll see. Uh, don't forget you can listen to your podcast, Yovan. Clip City is still the name, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can you can correct. check that out. We're only a couple days away from you actually being able to talk about Clippers basketball again, actual in-game action. Um, make sure if you are an Apple podcast listener on this show, leave us five stars and a review. Yovan, 
has been adamant for me to mention that before we started recording tonight was like make sure that these people know that by listening to him and i that uh they they make sure their review it, they they let us know in the reviews that um they love listening to chase and yovan and that we shouldn't go like six and a half years between uh podcasts which uh <laughs> based on my math is is how long it's been um it's close let's start because you talk a lot of clippers yovan i'm, I'm going to give you a brief break on some clippers talk even though i do think okay. there's a lot of fascinating stuff there that i want to talk about um what would you do right now let's say you are rafael stone the new houston rockets decision maker um based on everything we know to this point what would you do if you were rafael stone he's in a really tough spot obviously um you know i I think it is a bit of a lose-lose situation Uh, i think you either hold on to james harden and yes you know you're kind of the victim in the situation and and james has obviously been the one who's looked really bad the last week or so um but i just think the longer this gets dragged out like no one I, i just think for rockets fans for the nba for james harden like everyone just kind of wants to move on from this situation. I'm sure there are some Rockets fans that, that still want to work it out or keep him. But I think clearly based on his actions over the last week or so, um, that's, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of gone beyond um, fixing. So I, I think, you know, but then on the flip side, like you don't have a lot of leverage right now, especially with him being so intent on going to Brooklyn and, and potentially Philly um, where you know, we just saw the guy uh, openly boycott going to training camp and, 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 you know, not only, you know, not showing up, but partying during a pandemic without a mask, like multiple times. Um, so it's like, if you're a team, like let's say Charlotte or, or a, a smaller market team that probably, you know, wouldn't normally be in the hardened sweepstakes. If you're desperate enough, you know, Sacramento is another team that comes to mind. Like if you're desperate enough to throw together a, a package with some of your younger assets with future picks, like there's no guarantee that James is even going to show up or, or play for you. Um, like imagine him getting traded to the Kings. I, I would assume he would not play a, a second as a King. He would just not do that. So I don't think that's realistic. So I, I do think it really limits the potential pool of, of trade targets. It, it almost has to be a big market team. It has to be a team that's a, a piece away from contending. Yet they also have to have apparently a young star and future picks to trade for him. So Which I, I never really happens. Know. That's yeah, not no, how I any mean, of these trades ever go. And people who forgot about it, and they're like, the Ben Simmons stuff and everything else, like, have y'all looked at any trades for any superstars over the last 25 years? How many of them include a superstar in return? Especially a young one. It's not, that's not how any of this goes, ever. The Spurs got DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard. DeMar DeRozan. Like, the, the Rockets are getting screwed here. There's no way around. They're not getting Ben Simmons. Like, that's like the best return of all time if they get Ben Simmons in return. If they can get Ben Simmons, they have to do it immediately. Um, like that is, yeah, like like you said, and, and there's no overthinking that. There's no like, oh, can you throw in like a second round pick? It's just like if, if, if Philly is willing to give up, and it feels like that offer is like the the kind of final like Godfather offer where um, you know Philly doesn't really have to enter the sweepstakes. They can kind of see what else is out there, what are other people offering. But like once they come with that, I feel like Houston has to accept that. Um, I mean, Brooklyn's offer is interesting um i I just it's hard to feel like teams always want that centerpiece of the deal you don't want it to be the james harden trade with okc where where you're looking at that and you're like okay well like i mean stephen adams was the best thing out of that deal and and stephen adams has been a 
um, you know, a, a good starting center for a half decade, but, you know, walking away from that trade with, with that and, and, you know, Jeremy Lamb and, and Kevin Martin, it was just kind of like that was, you know, in retrospect, a pretty, it was obviously going to be a lopsided trade anyway, but that, that was, I, I think, one of the worst, you know, obviously superstar trades uh, of the past decade or so. So I, I think I, I don't, you know, the, the Brooklyn trade isn't sexy. It, it's not, you know, it, you're not going to really get yourself um, hyped up about Karis LeVert or Spencer Dinwiddie or, or Jared Allen. But, um, you know, I, I think some of the other ones that have been floated out, like like New Orleans, if, if Brandon Ingram were available or, um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I think the one there, there's one interesting one that, that's that's been floated out there, like Paul George for for James Harden. Um, you, you know, I, well, I think you're in there. How it, would Kawhi receive that? Because well, Kawhi was I, the one I who know, made the pitch for Paul. He also made the pitch for James Harden. Oh, that's uh, and that, true. That was reported. That was reported in, in in my piece from last summer. That two of the other names that were on the list that the Clippers inquired about were James Harden and Bradley Beal. Mm. Um, obviously it seems like Beal's off the market, but um, I mean, I, I think it, you, 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 it's tough. You can make the case that, that Kawhi and PG is probably a cleaner fit than Kawhi and Harden um, because both guys are so ISO dominant and, and both guys kind of need the ball, but we've seen Kawhi fit with Tony Parker in San Antonio and with yeah. Kyle Lowry in Toronto. And those guys obviously didn't have the same usage as, as James Harden, but I, I think, you know, point guard has been kind of the thing for the Clippers. They didn't really, you know, solve that issue th- this offseason. So you kind of make James Harden your point guard. And, and um, you know, it does put some more defensive onus on Kawhi, on Pat Beverly. Like those guys, you know, have to step up and, and probably take on more defensive burden than they would have, you know, with Paul George there. Um, but I think offensively, I mean, I think you clearly, you know, they're already the number two ranked offense last year. I think you move up to number one. And then, you know, defensively, you take a hit for sure. But I do think now having two top five, top six players, you know, that there's no reason why the Clippers wouldn't be the co-favorites again, in my opinion. Um, but it is a bit of a weird fit. And to me, it's it's more of the off-court stuff where Harden, we know, I mean, he clearly loves the party. But, you know, he is a bit of a moody guy. He's, he's ornery. He's gotten into it now with multiple superstar teammates. Kawhi's coming off an interesting year with some of that stuff. So I don't know how James Harden fits in the Clippers locker room. But, um, you know, Paul George didn't necessarily fit uh, that well last year either, though. So um, I think it's something that's interesting and, and it, you know, it satisfies it from the Houston side of, like, retaining a star. You know, the, the, Paul George can go supernova again like he, he did in OKC a couple years ago. Uh, you know, with him, Wall, Christian Wood, like, maybe you're an eight seed. Um, I don't know. I mean, that that's the thing. There, there aren't many great trades out there. I think if they could get Ben Simmons, that, that's the clear cut, like, one they should do but other than that um they're in a really tough spot i um tillman fertita just seems like a an absolute disaster (laughs) as an owner so like that Raphael stone and steven silas are just like double whammy of dealing with the james harden stuff tillman fertita going on cnnbc and talking about this kind of stuff (laughs) which i can't believe is still going to be a thing is that just going to be a thing going forward that he just keeps going on like that there's like the bad kind of that kind of owner, which is him and Dolan. But then there's the good kind of like Steve Cohen, like commenting under Buster Only's tweets on Twitter today about like, oh, tell me more, Buster, about what the Mets are doing. Um, that kind of stuff is delightful. But um, I don't know. I think Stone is in a bad spot. I think 
we don't talk enough about how much Maury kind of screwed them on the way out with that Russell Westbrook trade. Like that's just kind of forgotten about like what he actually gave up to acquire Russell Westbrook in that Paul trade. Um, it is interesting that other teams are monitoring this so closely by all accounts that Harden just being openly disrespectful and just kind of shitty is something that uh, other teams do not want to see become the norm. Um, I don't know if they'll have a choice here. I think once the cat's out of the bag, I think it's hard to um, reel this stuff back in. Uh, so I would guess that it goes poorly. But if I was Stone, like you said, like if he doesn't report to the king, you don't think he would report to the kings if the kings gave up like De'Aaron Fox and whatever. Um, mm, no. I no. I don't care. Like the, that's not the Rockets' problem anymore. Like the Rockets should not be trying to put him on a contender. They should not be like, hey, James, you've been so great for our franchise for eight years. What can, <sighs> Where can we put you that will make you happy? It's not that kind of deal. Um, it's not the Kevin Garnett stuff where it's like you gave us – a decade plus of great years. You got us the number one seed in the West and we failed you. We didn't get, we didn't do enough. We were bad. Where do you want to go? Um, I would, I don't know. Maybe this, this is a representation of what kind of person I am, but like I would twist the knife. I'd be like, you, here's your choices. You're either going to Sacramento. You're going to, uh, let's see, San Antonio. You are going to Cleveland. You are going to Charlotte. Or you are going to Indiana for Victor Oladipo. You are not going anywhere else. I would just be like, this is not happening. Like, I'm not giving you to Brooklyn. I'm not trait for Karis LeVert and everybody else. Like, if you don't play, guess what? You're going to get nothing. Like, there's no pain. You're getting fine. Then you just look progressively worse. I would actually engage in a PR battle with James Harden. Because it seems like universally people are like... Yeah, what he's doing is pretty crappy, especially during a pandemic and partying without a mask. Like, who is taking James Harden's side in any of this? So I would actually dig in. Unfortunately, their owner sucks, so they can't really do this. But if it w- they still had a good owner, I would dig in and be like, dude, no, this is garbage. We almost, like, we could have gone to the NBA Finals last year. We were really playing amazing basketball. Westbrook, after January, was on another level. Like, we were, we were in it. We've done all of this stuff for you. You've been just at really, really close to winning a title. If Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, maybe we win a title with you. Like, does that not mean anything to you? A decade almost with this franchise. We traded for you. We believed in you. We built everything around you. No, I would just be like, no, sorry, dude. Uh, You signed, you're here. And if you don't want to take a paycheck and you want to continue looking really, really bad, that's on you. But um, it would be cool if you tried to make it work with John Wall and y'all did some cool stuff. Steven Silas is a really good dude try it out we just signed christian wood you still got pj tucker you still got some shooters around him like you're still gonna be a playoff team you if you play you're a warrior you'll still win 50 plus games we'll see what happens injuries are part of basketball like why why are you being a dick (laughs) i I don't understand it like there's there's no way no reason to so i would personally not give in that is what i would do but i don't think that's what they're going to do well i i think to be clear um I was more looking at it from the perspective of other teams trading for him. Like mm. if I'm Sacramento, I don't know if I can take that risk based on but like, what do you have to lose? I, you haven't made the playoffs in what? 15 years. Yeah. I mean, who cares? I, it, it like just what, throw you, it at. Two, like, I don't care if I'm Sacramento. I'm just like, dude, why not? Nothing's worked. We're awful. And we've been terrible for 15 years. Why not? I think the other interesting thing here is, is what Houston's, kind of strategy post Harden is because 
they have given up so many first well, round. Hold picks. on, can I can I answer um, this one? And, and, and yeah, they have none. Well, I mean, that, that's what I mean. Th- like, they're going to have to do some. Like, they're going to have to basically sell off, like a PJ Tucker, a Daniel House. Um, that Eric I mean, Gordon, Gordon contract I, is terrible. Yeah, that that one's, you know. But you you might have to flip those guys for like. You might have to give up assets know, ha- to get off the Gordon contract. You might have to give up assets to get off that contract. They're in a tough. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like they're going to have to like. I, I think the, some team would take a a house or a Tucker for a like top 20, 20 protected first or, or maybe like a, a, a you know a, a high second round pick or something like i think there's got to be you know they could get some stuff for those guys but i just think at this point it because you know most teams in this scenario you, you trade the star you, you start the rebuild and you know you, you accumulate a lot of assets young players picks but they don't have that stuff. So like them sucking is actually just going to be helping other teams who are getting their draft picks over the next several years. So I, I just think they're in a really interesting spot. Um, and and may, who knows, maybe they do hold out. They, they, they try to fix the situation or, or just kind of call his bluff and say, you know, are you just not going to play all season or, or you know, uh, like what, I mean, he's already at camp has, has to now, um, you know, test <laughs> uh, negative six straight times. Um, but I don't know. It's, they're in a tough spot because this, there's no like clean rebuild here. It, it is going to be an ugly, messy situation that's probably going to be like a half decade long um, at, at, at least. a minimum. Look at how many teams yeah. have gone through this and they never get back. We like to believe, oh, all right, here's what we'll do. We'll sell off and we'll start over. Like Most teams are not going to end up like the, the Pelicans who got lucky with Zion and got lucky with how it unfolded for them. But like most teams, it doesn't go this clean. Look at Charlotte. Look at um, New York. Look at uh, San Antonio post Kawhi. Look at um, Cleveland post LeBron. Look at Detroit. Look at Phoenix. Look at Minnesota. Look at um, the Kings. Look at the Magic, who are maybe the best example of this. Like, it's it's not that clean. Like, you have no idea. Most teams, you're going to be in the gutter for a long time, and the Rockets are a great franchise, but Fertitta seems like he really stinks, and this ownership group stinks, and I just feel bad for Steven Silas, and this was something that I thought at the time where I'm just like, mm, Steven, why? Why are you doing this? I understand there's only 30 NBA jobs, but are you really sure? Like, do you really want to work for Tillman Fertitta and follow the Daryl Morey departure when you know that probably these guys are on their way out too with James Harden and everything? I, I don't know. Um, I just feel bad for him because it seems like he's in an unwinnable situation, and then I, I've not had a chance to read the true hoop piece on uh people telling henry abbott that uh it it's did you, have you seen this yet i i saw it i haven't read it yet either yeah. it, um, basically I like they could be the worst ago. team in the league <laughs> next year so i'm like oh my god like i just i really think this is going to get dire very quickly especially if they move harden and, and while we haven't seen play a full season in five years so i i don't know man like it this is going to get really gross, really bad. And this is a team that could have been the championship two years ago, maybe even this year. And it's things just change so quickly in the NBA. And I'm just, I'm pretty pessimistic about where the Rockets are going to be in the next couple of years. I think there's no way around this and it's not all James Harden, but um, he's definitely making it that much worse in the way out. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, and to be honest, um, I was surprised the league didn't step in more um, because I, I felt, you know, 
um, it's one thing to skip out on training camp, you know, kind of boycott, you're upset, you want to be traded. Like, I think that, that alone is, is, you know, technically finable or, or, you know, um, you know, potential ramifications with the league, but to be blatantly, um, reckless, right. And, and, and to be out, you know, doing what he was doing, I, I just think, um, it, it kind of went beyond just the like holdout. And, and it was like a clear F you to, um, the Rockets and, and, and kind of to an, I mean, to an, ex, an extent just by association, like the NBA. And I, I just felt, um, you know, I guess now he has this thing where he has to test positive or uh, negative for, for six straight days. Um, so I guess that's like a form of punishment until he can practice again. But, um, I, you know, I, I think it'd be a little bit dark like, if he had to test positive six times in a row. Like you yeah, have to have COVID. Um, <laughs> but 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 like you know, it was one thing when it was like one night, but it, when it was like three straight nights, you're just like, dude, you're you're like, I don't know. I, I just felt like, and, and I, I think it would have set a standard too, where um, you know, it, it would have kind of shown like because who, I doubt this is the first, you know, this is the only case of an NBA player we're going to see out at a club maskless. Well, can we also this mention this season? part of I, this too? Because I think this is important. The people who are piling on, like, it's only because this is a pandemic why this is just awful. Like, Magic Johnson, yeah. we, like, the, there are so many athletes that can party and be awesome. There is no rule that you can't be awesome no, and do I, your job and have, like, the two are not mutually exclusive. No, no, no. I, and I'm not saying that at all. I, th- it's purely. It's not about the partying. It's about partying maskless in a pandemic right. when you're supposed to be in training camp. It is the context of, yes. of, of all of that, right? Like, so, but, but, but I get what I'm getting at is I think we're going to see other instances of players out and partying at times during the season. And I think had Harden, you know, a superstar, one of the faces of the league who, who was blatantly, uh, you know, holding out and boycotting training camp been punished and potentially, you know, either had a massive fine or potentially like a, a one game suspension, nothing crazy, but like a one game suspension. I think that would have set the tone for the season of like, Hey guys, like you have to take this seriously because the NBA did release a protocol of what players can and can't do. And, and, you know, aside from violating that by just not showing up to training camp, he was violating the NBA's protocol set forth for the season. So I, I think again, there, there wasn't, you know, whether intentional or not, there, there was a, dismiss of the NBA's rules, you know, within this whole thing. And this is a, you know, very serious situation with the pandemic and everything going on. And I, I just, I think it would have, you know, it would have been a very um, emphatic move to, to punish him in a stronger way. I think, and it really would have set a, a message of if James Harden can get suspended or fined for, for doing this, you know, role player X on, on team Y can, can also. So, um, I would have liked to have seen that personally just because I think it got way too out of hand, but um, he's also a superstar. So I get why it didn't happen. If I had to guess, I would guess the league sent out fielders to their top stars. I, that would be my guess because like what kind of message it sends? Are y'all cool with us? Like laying the hammer down on James Harden. Like I would not be surprised if there are certain ways of communicating with top stars and just being like, Hey, um, we're thinking about, laying the hammer down on James Harden. Does this set a bad precedent for y'all? Like, that is something that... Because it does seem like there is the the haves and the have-nots. The the MLE guys and the stars. The stars look out for the stars. The MLE guys look out for the MLE guys. Like, I, I don't... I think there's a disconnect there. And I would not be surprised if that's part of this. It's just being so terrified of pissing off 
a top three player and setting a bad precedent for how the rest of the league will respond and look at that particular team, not even that particular team, but it's silver in the NBA for really going at it, um, a top star and making him look bad and all this kind of stuff, even if it's totally fair and defensible. I, I am, I would bet that that was floated to the top stars. What's interesting about that theory, I, I don't necessarily disagree, but I also think that how many of those guys are actually friends with Harden? Like, it, it feels like he's one of the the stars on the outside of like the front. I mean, he, you know, like he, he doesn't, he's not really for like fraternizing with a lot of stars. Well, you gotta remember, like. and, he was voted by the players, the MVP ever step. Like, I think players respect true. him a true. lot more. I, I think he has that respect where I would guess that even if they don't hang out with him, they respect him. I, I think that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I, I hope, I don't know. I hope this gets resolved because it's a bad look for all involved and it's only going to get uglier. And I would rather talk about basketball than um, this kind of stuff. And uh, I would like to see where James Harden ends up because he's still a top three player in this league. And I would like, he's he is one of the few guys right now where if he gets moved, it's like the Anthony Davis thing where it's like he can literally swing a title. James Harden can absolutely swing a championship depending on where he goes. Um, where I'm rooting is Milwaukee. Like I Milwaukee doesn't have the assets, but like if Giannis does not sign the Supermax before the 21st, which it looks increasingly unlikely that he will dude. if I'm Milwaukee, I don't, I don't care. Like I am, I am calling Raphael stone over and over again. Hey, uh, what, what, what do you want? What, what can we give you? Especially after the Bogdan just thing like that just completely fell apart. I would, be adamant and you're appealing like, oh i don't know if that'll work and i'm like i don't care like i will bet on Giannis and harden getting it out of the east like i i have no idea if it will be watchable but i would do whatever it took to like middleton whoever like harden and Giannis, don't overthink it like the pick and roll with that is just going to be devastating like i would i would be here for it but i don't think that's what's going to happen um because yovan you don't talk about the clippers enough i want to ask you about them um do you believe postdoc that things will be all that different and also post Trez because LeBron, as he joked about this week, uh, Trez was the guy openly um, talking about um, what was going on with this team and the, the internal dysfunction and all that kind of stuff. But like, do you think things are really going to be different? Obviously you'll find out in person this, this winter, but what, it, what do you, what do you surmise to this point? I, I think things are going to be different. Um, now, I don't know to what extent, um, you know, because I, I think that there ended up, it depends how you look at it, right? Because they, they were the second best team in, in the West. Um, they, they did have a top, uh, you know, I think three, three or four um, net rating. Uh, they were top five on both sides of the ball. And they were uh, collectively something like, you know, uh, 10 minutes or, you know, 15 minutes away from, advancing if you kind of just look at the way all those games ended um, especially games five and six um so they were pretty close to making the conference finals and, and who knows i mean they matched up fairly well with the lakers in the regular season I, I think the lakers probably would have won that series but um you know you, you just never know so um we, we could be talking about a completely different scenario and, and maybe doc's back but the fact that he isn't um you know the fact that though it was described as a mutual parting of ways. I think some comments from doc uh, clearly suggested that he didn't feel that way. 
Um, so you, you kind of read between, you know, the, the tea leaves on that. And then you look at some of the comments that have come from PG and Marcus Morris and um, just kind of the vibe that like, we're really excited for Ty and uh, Doc, you know, didn't make adjustments in the postseason, uh, you know, a few months ago. So I think overall um, Ty is a more modern coach. If you just look at the way his Cleveland teams played, um, they, they increased their pace. They, they had a top three, uh, top five, three point rate. Um, you know, they, they were better with ball movement than these Clippers teams were, or, you know, this team was last season rather. Um, and I think, you know, Ty was a guy who stepped in there and immediately challenged LeBron. And there was a lack of accountability in the Clippers locker room last year. And I think part of that falls on doc part of that falls on the players, but I also think Ty is someone who's going to step in and he's not afraid to call out Kawhi Leonard in front of the team or, or Paul George in front of the team. Or, well, or that's talk what about I was going to ask you. Coverage. Ty was there. It's not like he's coming in fresh face. Like he was there. Did he do that at all last year? No, it, it's, it's so different sliding mm-hmm. over from an assistant coach to a, to a head coach, especially when it's your mentor, right? Like it wasn't, I think I'm sure he's he not going to contradict more, doc. Yeah, I'm sure he was more vocal under David Blatt than he was under Doc. But, you know, under Doc, one of his mentors, I, I think it's just, you know, it was one of those situations where uh, the players clearly liked him. You know, everybody to a man was was cool with him. That No one had any issues with him. Um, but I, I do I, I do think that locker room and, and to, that organization to an extent was run by Doc. Right. And he he was this giant figure who, who had gravitas and, 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 you know, he, he had goodwill and um, that's why it was so surprised. Everyone thought he was going to be back. Like it was so surprising. There were so many people I talked to uh, around the team that were just shocked that when he wasn't let back. And e- even though a lot of people felt it was the right move, it was just like, we didn't, you know, it's doc. Like he is uh, synonymous with the Clippers. He, he's, you know, Chris and Blake have come and go and we'll see how long Kawhi and PG are here. But like doc has kind of become one of the, the faces of the Clippers franchise and like history, right? Like he's, if you were ranking like now, um, you know, popular clip, uh, you know, Clipper figures of all time, like doc is somewhere in that top 10 pushing top five. Like he, he's, he, he's really, you know, ingrained himself in, in the Clipper culture for, for better or worse. So I think um, th- it's going to be an adjustment and, and, and um, you know, for, from conversations I had, they're very confident in in Ty's ability. They have talked about it with him of, you know, they want him to, to run the the locker room um, differently than, than doc did. And um, they want to empower him to, to hold Kawhi and PG accountable. So, you know, that's how every season starts is everyone's on the same page and everything sounds good. And um, it really matters about when, when things, you know, when adversity hits and, and when things get tough, what happens. And obviously this was a team that folded and, and, you know, collapsed when, when that happened last year. So um, that's going to kind of be the thing with this team all year is that they can be the one seed. They could be the two seed. They could look really good, but the only thing that really matters with this group is the playoffs and um, you know, making at least the conference finals, if not finals. So um, I do think they're in a better position. I, I lo- love the, the Serge Ibaka move. Um, I think personally, I, I think he's, not only a better player than Montrose Harrell, but clearly a better fit on, on both ends. You know, a better defender uh, can space the floor. Uh, it's coming off a career-high scoring season. Uh, Luke Kennard, I think, is an upgrade over Landry Shamit uh, as a ball handler and oh, that creator. Um, I know. I, I'm a Landry guy. I, I, you know, I think Landry is going yeah, – I think he has starter potential. Um, he was a starter, heck, on last season's team, you know, playoff team, but um, – or two seasons ago at this point. But – um, I, you know, he just was clearly marginalized in the Clippers 
you know, they, I, I think they, they were willing to move on and they got yeah. four second round picks out of it. So even if, even if I, I would put Luke Kennard and, and Landry closer than, than I think their careers would indicate to this point. Um, but they got four second round picks out of that and four from Detroit, which is, you know, probably going to be uh, somewhere in the thirties. So um, I think that, that was obviously a good trade. And then Nick Batum, I, I think is a, a good gamble, right? Like, I mean, he could be done like as he looked last year, but um, if you get even 70 to 80% of his production from two years ago, when he had already fallen off, that could be a useful ninth or 10th man, um, a player they didn't really have that six, eight, six, nine rangy wing off the bench. Um, he can facilitate, he can handle the ball. He could shoot a little bit. Uh, he could defend. So I think plugging him as is kind of the Rodney Magruder replacement and upgrade um, does, does kind of help the bench. So uh, the one spot they didn't really replace um, or, you know, aside from point guard, which, which still is an issue uh, was, I think losing Jermichael green is going to hurt them. Uh, I think he was a really important piece and at times was their best and, and most consistent bench player. So they do lose that, which I think is going to hurt. But aside from that, I think overall one through eight, they're probably better than they were last season. Do you think Zubac is going to miss Montrezl? No, <laughs> I think he's going to play more now. Um, I, I just we, we just had to do like a fantasy basketball uh, thing for the athletic, and uh, where, where we had to you know for, for each beat writer you, you had to suggest someone on your team who you think is going to do better or worse than last season. I, I think Zubac, um, you know, w- was almost averaging a double double in like eighteen minutes a game, um, including in the bubble. Um, you know, playing a lot better, and I, I think he's going to be someone twenty four, twenty five, twenty six minutes a night. Uh, next season that they're going to play some of, of him and Ibaka four or five, just go with a big lineup. And, and, you know, I think that's like a lineup you could see against the Lakers when the Lakers are going big, where, where you know, Zubat can guard Gasol and then Ibaka can guard AD um, or vice versa. And, you know, Trez might be in there, but um, I think, I think Zoo is going to have a, a big year. I think he he's someone that's flown under the radar in terms of his development and how good he actually was. Like, I think most people, if you were ranking the Clippers, you would put him as like the eighth guy, the ninth guy, just kind of like the token starter. I think he was closer to being their third or fourth best player last year than, than people realize. Like, um, you know, he, he's one of those guys that's very high efficiency and low minutes. So we'll, we'll see how he handles more minutes this season. But, um, you know, in the bubble when Trez was out, he was playing, you know, more in that 24, 25 range. And he was putting up 15 and 10s and, and two blocks and, and, you know, high efficiency. Like, He's a pretty solid young player. He's only 23. So, um, and really at this point, one of the only young players on this team that has any potential. So um, I think they view him as the center of the future and he's going to have a much bigger role next year. Um, who do you think of all the changes, who do you think stands to benefit the most uh, with Ty Lu running things? Which player? Ooh, it's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I might say Zubat's only in like, I think there was clearly a limit last season with Doc and Trez and, and Doc for whatever reason didn't fully trust him. And Trez was, um, you know, just kind of like Trez was going to play a certain amount of time. So it was kind of like, even on the nights Zubats played well, he, he couldn't, you know, eclipse 20 minutes or so. Um, but I, I guess, um, you know, may, maybe Paul George, um, even though it was not factually correct, uh, the, the way he described Doc Rivers using him, um, if you actually look at the data, that was the most Paul George has ever run pick and roll in his career last year. Um, I, I do think that Ty, you know, his, his offense and, and shooting more threes and 
Um, Doc was always reluctant with some of that stuff, and uh, I think Ty is going to un- unleash the the best version of Paul, um, or or the, you know a better version than we saw last year. And I think he's going to embolden him that you have the full green light. You know, you need to be more aggressive and and and, and you know take more shots. You, you can't defer to Lou Williams or Serge Ibaka or Luke Kennard. Because like, there were times last year he deferred to Lou or, or Trez or Mar- you know, Marcus Morris. Like, he can't do that. You're Paul George. You're a top you know, 15 player or whatever in the league. Like, you need to act like it, and you need to be taking 15 to 20 shots every single night no matter what. Um, so I, I think Ty is going to get that out of him um, and, and you know, just r- run more sets for him, put him in his spots that he wants to be in. Um, uh, I guess maybe Kawhi with, with some of the movement stuff because Kawhi, you know, after Game Seven came out and said we need to get we need to get smarter as a team, you know, with, with the roster, with the way we run the offense. Like Kawhi was pretty frustrated with some of the stuff, even though he was partially a culprit with, with his ISO heavy nature. But um, I think just getting the ball moving and flowing is going to be better. Uh, probably, I would say more for for Kawhi PG and then Zoo as a guy who's going to just I think play more. Interesting. Um, last question on the Clippers. So it was understood that they were going to make some adjustments at the point guard spot because that's what Kawhi Leonard wanted was adjustments at the point guard spot, but they did not make adjustments at the point guard spot. Um, are you at all surprised? And do you think that that is still something they plan on doing? Uh, I, I think it's something they still plan on doing. I think by the trade deadline, you will see, Lou Williams or Patrick Beverly moved for a point guard upgrade. Um, I, I think Lou makes more sense as an expiring contract, uh, but Pat is a more expensive contract. So Pat is more movable, m- more of a flexible contract. He's in that 13 million range. So you, you can kind of mix and match contracts and um, you know, they can't really take on money because they're already in the luxury tax. But you, you know, you, you do have a wider range of guys that, that you could target with Pat Um and you know he probably has more trade value, although I'm not sure. It's probably close between those two. Um, but I, you know the, the popular one that's been thrown out there is, is Lou for George Hill, which I think is interesting. Um, mm. You know, I, I think there there is a. a I don't of know fans if I would that do might... that if I'm the Clippers. I don't know if I'd do that. So I, I think the logic behind that would be you, you have um, you know Luke Kennard. I, I think is. You know, look, he was doing it in Detroit, so you, you have to have that caveat of like Detroit was, has been this like wasteland for a couple of years. Yeah, um, where it, it's hard to kind of like you know when when guys put up good stats or, or you know sub All Star level guys put up good stats on bad teams, there, there's like kind of the thinking of okay, well someone has to score. Like every team mm. is averaging you know ninety something, hundred something points. So like Luke Kennard though though is coming off a season where he averaged sixteen four and four. And, you know, you don't necessarily view him as that type of guy. But um, and I don't know if you could do that for the Clippers, but, you know, I feel like he does have that sixth, seventh man potential. Um, so, you, you know, him and Ibaka kind of anchoring the second unit as the two leading scorers. I don't think that's like that ludicrous. Like um, they're not necessarily Trez and Lou, but I also think the Clippers are going to stagger more like last year and really under Doc that they, they were very. Uh, you know, strict on, okay, we have two units, we're going to platoon them, you know, the, the starters and the bench and the starters and the bench. And then at the end of the game, we'll kind of mix them. Um, I think Ty is going to have a, a much more varied rotation. You're, you're going to see a bunch of different lineups. So, um, you know, there, there will be times when the bench is out there, but I think you can get by 
uh, with a Luke Kennard, Serge Ibaka led bench. Um, but you know, so I think the, the thinking is okay. George Hill is a much better defender than Lou Williams. He's a better three point shooter, and he's someone who does have that big game experience. You know, making those runs with Indiana, with Cleveland, and then recently with Milwaukee. Like he's a guy who has performed well, you know, relatively well in the playoffs. Whereas Lou hasn't. You know, Lou, if, if you look at his playoff numbers, they're awful. Like he is not. He, there's a huge drop off with Lou, both as a scorer and from an efficiency standpoint. So. I think it gives you a cleaner fit. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if it has to do with Magic City or not, but Mm -hmm. um, it, uh, you know, I I think there's a cleaner fit where now you can always have Patrick Beverly or George Hill on the floor. You have this 3D point guard who fits well around Kawhi and PG. And, you know, either guy can handle the ball, but they can also spot up and let either one of those guys run the show. Um, and then, you know, when, when pairing them with like a Luke Kennard, those guys can take on the better guard and you kind of hide Kennard where putting Kennard next to Lou Williams, I think is a defensive disaster and the Clippers are gonna have to figure out what they're doing with that. If they're going to throw Reggie Jackson out there too, um, now you're making it a trio. So, um, I think, I think really for them, defense was a big issue in the playoffs. You, you saw it. Um, and when, you know, Lou had a couple big games. But when he wasn't scoring, he was basically useless and overall net negative because of how bad he was defensively. So, um, whereas on paper, I think most people would say Lou Williams is a better player than George Hill. I think George Hill, he's not going to solve the point guard situation necessarily, but I think he improves it and improves them defensively. Um, otherwise, like, I don't know. It, it's tough. I, I, you know, there wasn't really a guy in free agency. The one guy was Goran Dragic, but he ended up resigning. After him, there, there was a huge drop-off with no clear-cut like upgrade. Um, so they're going to have to use the trade market. But a lot of the guys I think they're interested in got traded. Like Ricky Rubio is back now in, in Minnesota. Uh, Eric Bledsoe got moved. I mean, maybe he could be on the move again. But um, well, his there's teammate, not really many options. Lonzo. Like, like, I wouldn't maybe hate Lonzo. Lonzo. I would not hate Lonzo back in L.A. I would not hate him on this roster. I just wonder what the price is of of a well, former number two overall pick. Well, I think Pat Bev's a better player at this point. So I think the the Pelicans. It, I guess it just depends on what Ball and Bledsoe look like, and JJ, and like how they uh, how they manage those minutes because it's going to be interesting to see what they do to stagger those guys. So I don't know. I think it might get a little crowded in the Pelicans backcourt. Would be my guess. So maybe the price is not that high, and if you remove the number two overall pick stuff, um, that probably changes things because he's not like he's he's solid. He's just not going to be um, not going to be a superstar. I think the the perfect fit for Los Angeles. I just don't know if the Clippers have the assets to get him as DeJounte Murray. Like, I think that is mm. the ideal guy. Like, the I, Shea, I, not Shea Gilgis, but, like, that is a crowded situation in San Antonio, and they can't pay all of them. They have Lonnie. They have DeJounte. They have Derek White. They have DeRozan. They have Bryn Forp. They have so many dudes there that I don't think they can keep all these guys happy, and DeJounte with this group would be so damn good. I love it, but I think you said it. I just don't think they have the assets. Like yeah. for me, of all the guys you just said, I'm by far the highest on him. Right. Um, like you know, I think I think he can be a high level starting point guard. Um, yeah. And and you know, Frank, looking at the roster, honestly, that might be the the one guy I try to build around, or at least you know, maybe not be obviously not like a number one option, but you know, okay, he's in my top, you know four or five assets that I'm, I'm, you know, he, like he's our starting point guard. Now let's go find out, you know, some of the other pieces. Okay. 
re-sign Jakob Pertl. Okay, what are we doing like two through four? That would almost be how I'd be viewing it at San Antonio. So, um, I mean, maybe like they're like, let's give it one more run and like they get like Pat and, and, and I don't know, like Pat and something, but I, I feel like that, that seems too low for, for DeJounte. I feel like there need to be a pick involved or a, Another well, they don't have those guy. right now. The Clippers gave all those to Oklahoma City. <laughs> they do not have any picks. <laughs> um, last thing I want to touch on with you, because like I think, I think this is the most fascinating thing to me in the West, outside of if the Utah Jazz are just not gonna not gonna do things. Because I wrote about this last week of just like if I'm Utah, I just go get John Wall. Like I go call them and I do John Wall for Conley's expiring. Someone for Tita saves a bunch of money next year. Like I go do that today, just because I want to see. Donovan Mitchell not be the primary ball handler. I want to see him be able to do stuff off the ball. I, I think he is best suited to have a really smart, fast point guard next to him to do a lot of the dirty work that he doesn't need to do so he can limit his usage and just be more geared up for the playoffs. But like, if you're not going to trade Gobert, you still have to add more pieces. And I want to see if Utah can do more because they just didn't have the cap space to really do much in free agency. And I think they slid down a little bit in the pecking order while Denver rose. And Denver, being the other team that I thing is so fascinating because we just know the two LA teams are just going to be at the top of the West this year that because they beat this Clippers team, they're close. They lost Jeremy Grant. So we really don't know what that's going to look like. They just paid Monte Morris, which you don't see a lot of third guards get paid the way Monte Morris just got paid. And I'm a Monte Morris guy, but it seemed a little pricey for somebody that you can find at the end of the first round all over the place. Um, I just, I think Michael Porter Jr. is the biggest wild card in the NBA. I really do because he came out this week saying, I'm ready to be the third star on this team. And Jamal Murray having the kind of playoff run that he had this past year and Jokic just getting to another level and being as dominant as he is. Like if Porter becomes what he thinks he is and what his dad and himself believe, like they make LeVar Ball seem like a, a like a uh, uh, <laughs> how can I phrase this? A mild mannered, um, low expectation person because Michael Porter Jr. and Senior seem like they are all the way in on this dynamic being uh, a superstar in this league, and eventually they're gonna expect to be treated like he wants the shots, he wants the ball in his hands, he wants to be the guy. Um, and he seems healthy, which was the biggest concern coming out of Mizzou was like, this dude was just not healthy for years. Is it fair for me to characterize Michael Porter Jr. as the biggest wild card in the NBA this year? And, and I mean, I think he's someone that factors into the Harden situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, potentially if, as, um, you know, I know Simmons had floated that out as like a three team deal. Um, if, you know, but I, yeah, I mean, I think honestly, I think Denver, um, I'm a little bit concerned with the defense, um, just because, you know, you could probably make the case that, that Jeremy Grant and Tory Craig were their two best perimeter defenders. I know they lost him too. Gary yeah. Harris, slot, Gary Harris slots in somewhere in there, but, um, you know, Jeremy Grant, I, I thought was really good particularly against Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs. He did a good job of um, forcing him into really difficult shots. Uh, so you do lose those two. You don't really replace them. Um, it's almost feels like it's going to be a collective thing where uh, Gary Harris plays a little bit more. Michael Porter Jr. obviously takes a step up in his role. And then uh, you, you get Will Barton back. So, so those three are kind of taking up a lot of your minutes at 
the, the two, the three, and, and a bit of the four with, with Porter Jr. Um, but I, I do think if he pops as a star, um, and he definitely could, and has obviously shown flashes of that, um, there's no reason why this team can't be, you know, again, clearly the third best team in the West, if not the second. Um, you know, I, I would still obviously put them behind the Lakers. Um, and I, though I, I think the Clippers are better, they obviously beat them in the playoffs last year. So, um, you know, if Porter Jr. becomes that guy, like, I mean, you now have three all-star level guys. And, and if you have three all-stars, you're clearly a contender and, and really, you know, typically That's a one top more than the Lakers. five team. Um, yeah, I mean, I obviously, you know, I would still take LeBron and AD over Jokic, Murray, Porter Jr., but it, it becomes a bit closer, right? And and then I honestly think, again, you know, mentioned him earlier, Jermichael Green going to Denver, um, I think he's better than Mason Plumlee. Um, oh, yeah, I, for I sure. Think, um, you know, and, and so I, I think him stepping, and they obviously have Bowl Bowl, and, um, you know, they, they have some uh, some young guys, but I think him stepping up as that, kind of, uh, you know, third big and, and, you know, can, can play the five or the four, can play next to Jokic, can play next to Millsap in, in smaller lineups that, that space the floor. Like, I think Jermichael Green's going to be really good for them. It's a tough guy that they didn't really have that, you know, kind of guy. And, and that was one thing that the Clippers tried to do is it was kind of punk them physically. And, um, you know, Millsap had that one game where, where he kind of stepped up in the second half and, um, you know, stood up to, I think it was game five, where he stood up to, to Marcus Morris a bit. But, um you know, it, it felt like Denver, you could punk them a little bit and, and not, they weren't going to do anything. Like, Jermichael Green will, will not let that fly. So, um, I, I think he is a sneaky addition that, um, you know, I've seen people talking about losing Plumlee, talking about losing Jeremy Grant. Like, if if Porter pops and Jermichael Green is, is Jermichael Green, like, to me, Denver might even be better next season, uh, especially when factoring in the, the growth of making a conference final. So, um, yeah, I mean, P- Porter Jr., he's one of the most interesting players in the league because... Um, it still feels like we don't know what way he's going to go. Like mm. if you told me two years from now, he's an all-star or if you told me two years from now, he's Jeff, more, a more athletic Jeff green. Like I'm not, I would believe either one. Like, um, I, you know, so yeah, I'm more trending towards like all-star, I guess. Um, but there's also the back and that, that is a huge thing. And I know from like the Clipper side of it, they were very concerned with his back and, you know, they were the one of the teams that red flagged him. So um, that, that is kind of looming over everything is like, this dude could have all the talent in the world, but obviously if he has a messed up back, like it's kind of a, a ticking time bomb at, at some point. So, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Denver, what, what happens with, with MPJ. But, um, if you look at kind of the contenders, like most of them have a set rotation, uh, you know, set lineups, uh, a set kind of pecking order. He's like, like the one guy on like the top, I don't know, five or six teams, that if he really pops and, and takes another step, like that takes Denver to a completely different level. I agree. I agree. All right, Yovan, we'll have to end it there. Uh, what can we check out from you this week on the athletic and going forward? Well, tomorrow I will have a story on, or, or today, I guess, rather, if you're listening to this now, um, a story on five lineups to watch um, and, and just going into Clippers closing lineup, some small ball stuff, and, and, and looking at some lineups that I think what we're going to see and, and um, that I'm personally excited for. Uh, Friday, we'll have um, some observations from the first preseason game, and I promise I won't take it too seriously, but um, <laughs> that, that's in my na- that's in my nature. I'm, I'm going to mm-hmm. break it down. I'm going to have some video in there. You're um, going to piss so, some people off. <laughs> 
So, so be on the lookout for that. Um, I almost mentioned and, her name, man. Yeah. I'm glad it did not. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. All right. We'll go do that. Yovan, keep up the great work, sir. We can follow you on Twitter at Yovan Bua. Follow myself at Chase underscore Thomas. Um, for that guy out there in Los Angeles, California, Yovan Bua. For myself, Chase Thomas in Knoxville, Tennessee. That is all I've got. Thank you, as always, for the time. Yovan and uh let's get back to our normal pod and pretty frequently schedule and during the NBA season let's uh, don't be a stranger I'm in man whenever you need me all right we're back on the Chase Thomas podcast I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas and that guy in the Bay Area is still Andy Lou one of my favorite basketball Twitter followers, old friend of the podcast, someone that since I am not on tweet deck and Twitter as much as I used to be in my younger days, my youthful days, Andy, before I was, yeah, before I was like, before I got busy with grad school and life and everything else, uh, you were always funny because you even got like NBA GMs to laugh. I seem to recall Dara Mori at some (laughs) point in time pinpointing you like you were would you say you're out of your prime in on Twitter, or have I, you exited? Oh, just be. I, you know, we've. I, I remember the first podcast I think we did with you was like maybe four years ago. Yeah, like, at least at least three years, four years. Yeah, so we've we've been a long time, and and you've been turning out pods. I don't know how you do it so consistently, but I well I do it too, but I don't do any of the work. I just talk. <laughs> but um, man, I, I, I'm out of my prime. I'm out of my prime. I, I agree. I, David Griffin's a, a guy that follows me. He's funny. He's he follows me too. Um, yeah, but from the pod, David Griffin. Yeah, he's doing real stuff though. You know, yeah, he's doing real stuff. So no time, no time to deal with us, you know, people like us. But <laughs> I used to, I used to say some wild stuff on Twitter. Yes, I you did. Much used to say whatever the hell, <laughs> especially back in the uh, the prime Warriors days. You know, 2015 to, to I would say around 2017. Um, I, I've take, I've relaxed a little bit since then, but uh, mm-hmm. no, those were good days because uh, that was when the war the rise the rise is always better. Um, yeah, the, the rise is always better than obviously the fall, but the rise is always better than even some of the some of the the, the right before the fall, right? So it was fun. People hate the Warriors. People still hate the Warriors. I don't know. People still find a way to talk about stuff in the Warriors every day. Chase even the last year, which is which is really entertaining. But uh, but I, I'm tired of it. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm washed, but I'm still covering the Warriors. I'm still. I'm. Ex- I'm as excited as I've ever been for a season, probably since you know, since KD's first season with the team. I'm reading Golden right now before the season. Have you read it, Marcus Thompson's book? Ooh, I have. I have Marcus Thompson. Yeah, it's really it's good. Awesome. It's really good. I'm a. I'm a lifelong Steph guy. Love Steph. He's my favorite player as an adult. I'll ride with Steph. Um, I'm excited to see him back. Like this was a year where I like I didn't realize how much I would miss Steph Curry playing basketball. Like I, it just didn't feel right having the playoffs without him. Just having like, look, Clay is awesome. I love Clay. I'm I'll miss Clay this year, but like it's not the same. Like not having Steph around is just it's not fun. And I'm ra- ready to move on from from Steph. Like he's my favorite player as an adult, and I am. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel excited to have him back and i also just feel bad because i think this year is going to be hard for him and you can attest to this too where people want to hate on steph i think players want to hate on steph i think he will yeah. never really get the kind of respect that he deserves as a player um but i think without clay 
there's a possibility, and I don't know if you feel this way, that like they still don't make the playoffs this year. Like the West is absolutely loaded. And a lot of it depends on what happens with Houston, what happens with a couple other teams, but like an injury is going to be a part of this and COVID uh, absences are going to be a part of this because you're going to be gone for two weeks. Like that's going to swing playoff seats like that. It's just, it's going to be wild to see this year, but it's, it's in the cards. And I think people are going to use that as an indictment that he needed clay to be Steph Curry. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I, I'm already frustrated with the narrative that's going to come around the a 500 uh, Warriors see? team this year. I thought you were staying off Twitter. Chase. That's the problem. You gotta, you, you gotta stay off. You gotta not let it, you know, it, well, first of all, Draymond and James Wiseman already have COVID, um, which is not good for the Warriors. Though it appears there's more than a few cases around the league right now. It sounds like there's around you know, 48 or 50 cases. Um, so the Warriors aren't the only one that are dealing with it. But like you said, Know, Steph, God forbid, goes down with an injury or gets COVID, then they're out for two weeks. Although, although Steph is, he just stays home all day, so I don't know how he'd get COVID. Um, especially if players are going to be cleared to play when they're on the court. You know, I would push back on the uh, the point that you're making. Wait, can I pause one real quick the, question? The, like, I wonder if yeah. someone need someone's beat this year needs to be measuring COVID positive tests from single players versus married with children players. I want to see the difference. Like, uh, cause Steph, like he's, he's a dad. He has three young girls. Like he's, he's oh, he's just family. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. just never he's going anywhere. Anything. Steph's never getting it. But I wonder if there's going to be like a totally different number for single guys. Like, uh, not well, to name names, but the, the Malik Beasley's happen. of the yeah. world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He'll have it. He probably has had it twice already. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, w- I wouldn't, you know, really, you know, Clay Thompson probably already have it if he hasn't had it already. You know, yeah. like, guys like that, like, you know, uh, I guess Wiggins, is, he's pretty low key. Well, Wiggins um, is focused on getting jacked. Of- like Wiggins was like, you know what I'll do with the pandemic? I'll just become uh, the strongest player in the NBA. That's what I'll do. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to him. He's, he's someone that I think is going to be pretty fun to watch this season. Oh, but, no. Well, I'm not um, going that far. I just no. said he was getting jacked. I was, I, Andy, I, don't put words in my mouth. That's not where I was going with that. I just said he was getting strong. That That is all I was doing with that. He is uh, 30, you know, take away the, the $48 million that he makes a season. You know, yeah, be, just uh, take that away. And then one. he's great. Yeah, he's all fun. He's all, he's all kinds I, of fun. I am... I think one of the few, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big homer. I think at this, at this point, I don't really care anymore. Why are you thinking about this? Of course you're a big homer. Why are you even going back and (laughs) forth? Like, am I a big homer? Yes, Andy, you are a big homer. You host the light years (laughs) podcast. You have had the Steph better (laughs) thing going for like the most of my twenties. Like that's what, like I'm 29. I remember this when I was in college. Yes. (laughs) College. We're the same age. Wow, this is perfect. Yeah. Um, uh, this is a, no. Well, I've been, always been a big Steph homer, but I'm high on the Warriors this season. I am. Oh. I, I'm higher than than most other people. Uh, and and there's a couple reasons. I, I don't know how good the rest of the West is. Okay. You're saying they're loaded, dude. OKC is probably going to finish last. They, they were a playoff team last year. That's why I say they're loaded. Like I think OKC makes the most sense as the worst team in the NBA and or in the right. West. Right. And that's scary right. to me. Well, 
well, they've lost guys. That, that makes sense why they're bad, right? It's not like they're last because they. But I mean, got, they were a playoff the team last game. year. Is all I'm saying. Like they were a playoff team, and even the Spurs, they're veteran heavy. You look at even the teams that like the Jazz, the Blazers aren't a guaranteed playoff team. Right. Minnesota is going to be better this year. Memphis barely just missed it. Memphis is going to be good. Sacramento didn't lose anybody, and they were right there in the mix. Like, yeah, Bogdan hurts, but, like, they drafted pretty well, and it seems like Halliburton's going to be good for them. Like, I don't know. The reason I say that is just, like, I was going up and down the list, and I'm like, somebody has to finish last. Somebody has to have a bad season in the West, and I don't... Right. There's not a lot of wiggle room in just where you're going to be, and I, I don't know. The Warriors are a team that I'm scared about. I, I won't lie. I'm scared about the Warriors. If you, if I told you, because, you know, for the purpose of the discussion, if you told me that, hey, Stephen Draymond aren't going to stay healthy, then I'll be like, all right, then there's no point debating this, right? But for the purpose of saying, let's say these guys out of 72 games, if the NBA even plays 72, they play 65, right? They play 65 games, Stephen Draymond. Um, Play 65 games. Which one of these teams do you actually think will have a better record than them? Do you actually think? The San Antonio Spurs, the Phoenix Suns, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Portland Trailblazers. I'm going to throw. I would Houston. say all of them except for San Antonio. Yes, I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Right? Yeah. Just unless there's some decline with these guys. Yeah. Right? They also haven't played in a year and a half. They haven't yep. played in a year. I'm going to count Draymond as not playing because he literally threw in the towel last season, game one. Um, these guys haven't played in a year and a half. It's not like they're 36 years old. They're not like MJ last dance on our last leg kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys have fresh legs. Um, they've been able to work on their game more. From what I've known, it sounds like Draymond Green's actually coming in ready to play this season uh, versus what happened last season. Steph is always ready to play basketball. Unless I see the, these guys decline, the two players that – at their peak, and it's not like their peak was six years ago. Um, they just played basketball a year, maybe year and a half, two years ago. Um, and it's not like they had some debilitating injury since. If you put those two guys together, one player is a top five player. The other player is, well, he's probably top 20 now, um, top 25. Um, if he's in shape and playing well, those guys are absolutely better than a Jaron Jackson, John Morant better than a Devin Booker-led team, Chris Paul-led team. Chris Paul, who, by the way, got lucky, stayed healthy last season. I don't count on that happening. <laughs> better than a Dane Lillard, CJ McCollum team. Uh, McCollum, right? Christoph Porzingis is not healthy. Luka Doncic, sure. Harden and the Rockets, I mean, my God. Harden might be gone tomorrow, right? Uh, then you keep going down the list there. Denver, are they really a real team? Because I saw Jamal Murray shoot like Steph Curry last time I checked. Not Denver's Curry, real. The All right, like the him. homerism's coming out. Yes, Denver is real. <laughs> no, I, I would say Utah. I would say Clippers, Lakers, Utah. I can put up there. Denver, I can say that, yeah, they'll probably have a better How record. How are you putting Utah also, above Denver? Because I, I think Denver as a team is is consistent. They get Bojan back. They play together. I don't think of them as a fluke. I've seen them play like that before versus Denver they lost Jeremy Grant, and I saw I saw Jamal Murray average 17 points a game. Cohen the bubble and average 35 points a game. Some doesn't add up. Um, so I'm waiting to see on that team. Um, again, they'll probably have a better record. Well, you're not keeping you up with tell me the Warriors are the, the Warriors are on a five four series against Denver. I mean, give me the Warriors. Like, I mean, my God. Um, Wait, so the I Warriors mean, without Clay? Would you take the Warriors without Clay in a seven game series with Denver? Oh yeah, absolutely. I Absolutely. love it. I love it. 
<laughs> this is why you brought me on, baby. I, I mean, I, I absolutely would do that. There's, I don't fear anyone endeavor. Does anybody fear anyone endeavor? Like, really? I guess there's Jokic, but I mean, they just beat the Clippers, man. Like, they were down three one. They just beat the Clippers. They were down. Don't believe the Clippers. They 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 were down a bunch. Either. Like that but don't get me has, started on them. Yeah, I mean they've just been resilient. I I look. I was someone like you before the playoffs last year, but then it's just like this team just has something in them. Like they're just they're fighters. And like I just talked to Yovan before we started recording. Like I I still think Michael Porter Jr. is the biggest wild card in the NBA this year because yeah. if Michael Porter yeah. Jr. Yeah. is a star, then that's three all-stars on one team and we know how that goes in the nba like three all-stars on one team like how what that means for your team um i don't know like what he becomes literally defines whether or not the nuggets ever won a title like he is the x factor if michael porter jr becomes a third star then the nuggets probably won a title if he does not then they'll be really good and really solid but like they'll, they'll never win a title but like he can literally swing where the Nuggets go and what they build off last year. Like, I'm so fascinated by yeah. what he is because yeah. Jeremy Grant's gone. Like, he might be the closing four yeah. for um, Denver this year. Like, I, I'm just very fascinated by him and what Denver does with him. Yeah, Denver, Denver, I like Denver. Um, I just I just don't know what to believe. I can tell by you picking I, the Warriors the over them in a seven-game series without Clay. You're, oh, you're very pro-Denver. Yeah. Oh, give me! Oh, give me! I mean, give me two guys that have won championships and played in that in that atmosphere before, right? Give me Steph and Draymond. By the time the playoffs come around, the vaccine will be back. Give me a crowd. Jamal Murray, someone that hasn't really shown me that he can play basketball like that outside of a really controlled. Well, they moved to San where... Francisco, so no Oracle crowd. You're getting the San Francisco crowd now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that'd, that'd be all right. They'll live. Okay. Um, no, you know, I I, I don't know. I. I will give you the top four guys, though. Like, those are the top four teams. Again, I have questions about every one of them outside of the Lakers. Um, even the Clippers, where I'm like, I don't know. Do you even have someone that's a leader on that team? I think that stuff kind of matters, right? Yes. <laughs> if you're trying to win a playoff series. But, uh, but I mean, they'll be fine the regular season. But I can even make the argument that the Warriors could beat the Clippers come the postseason. They just don't have guys that want to win basketball games. We'll see. We'll see. They took out Trez, which is good for the Clippers. <laughs> but... Um, do, in your estimation, Andy, do you think Clay's injury? Because like Bob Myers post game was really in, or post like post draft press conference, I guess. Um, after the Clay news broke, like, do you think Clay's injury changed how the Warriors viewed the number two pick? Because all we heard leading up to the draft was like, okay, Golden State is going to move this. They're not going to use this. They're going to use this to get another star because this guy is not going to match the timeline of Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Like, they have to use this to flip somebody else, and you have Wiggins there. Like, you have to use this. Maybe you use the number two pick and Wiggins to get somebody. And they yeah. did. They just took the number two pick, and they just took a big, and they just took Wiseman, and they expect him to be a contributor. And then you have Seth Partnow's piece for the Athletic, like, just – illuminating how rare it is for rookies to have a positive impact on your team. Um, do you think Clay's injury changed how Bob Myers and Joe Lacob conducted the draft and what they thought about what they should do? Um, they were going to draft James Meisman the whole way. Um, okay. there, there was no, yeah, there was, there was no other person. There was no other player. I talked about, I think I spent about eight months talking about every single player <laughs> from James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards. I knew they wouldn't draft Lamelo Balls. Threw that out. Devin Vassell, Patrick Williams, Devin Abdia, Obi Toppin. We even did right. We ran down. Did I ever do Poku? I don't think I ever did Poku. So, um, but 
the Warriors liked James Wiseman. Steph Curry liked James Wiseman. Joe Lacob liked James Wiseman. Um, everybody liked James Wiseman. They knew they needed a big. They knew they need, they were too small. Um, they had too little athleticism. And I think you can, and I can pivot this to why they uh, picked up Kelly Oubre, who I think they were going to pick up anyway, even if Clay wasn't hurt, um, is they, they need more athleticism. That's why they have Eric Pascal now. That's why they had they picked up uh, Brad Wanamaker and Kent Bazemore. If you look at the length of these guys, they all have seven foot long plus wingspans. They're all in that six five to six eight range in terms of height. That's that's what they're going for, and they wanted to really cap that off with someone like James Wiseman, who's like seven one, and his wingspan's like something ridiculous, right? Like it's like seven six or something. It's something absurd. Um, and, and, and they thought, Hey, this guy could be an impact player. Like he could be at the floor of what they think is like Clint Capella, right? He could be a fantastic defensive player and then a rim runner. And then if they can get more than that, because we've seen that James Wiseman might be able to shoot as a bit of a handle. then now we're talking about someone that may be kind of like a, um, maybe an all-star center. I mean, I, I don't know. I wanted James Wiseman. I, uh, I I thought it was a great pick. Shocking. Thought it was a great pick, but I thought it was a great pick because there's nobody else, Dave. Like, there, who else are you going to draft there? Well, I would have <laughs> like, traded it. I would have traded. I wouldn't take anybody. Like, I okay. I really think so you're playing a fool. Be- like, you sh- you stumbled into number two. Like, you should not have been there. The Warriors have too much time to be. Like, you're never going to draft in the lottery again with this well, core. Like, I would have flipped it. I would have used that with Wiggins to get somebody else. That's what I would have done. I would have if. The Wizards would have done it for Beal, like something like I would have taken a big swing because I think we're we're underestimating what the Warriors actually need to really get back at the top of the West. They need another star at this point with where their current crop is at in their careers. I think they need one more. Well, I mean, realistically, right? They're not they're not at the top. Like they're they're not going to get there. As but as then what's the point? Like you have they're... Steph, you well, have this group, you have to take well, a big swing. They can't get. They couldn't get you. Like they sent him an offer for Bradley. Well, Beal. that's a different question. They sent an like, offer. Did they Harden, try? Right. They, they, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they tried for months, right? Like they 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 shot they shot Andrew Wiggins um, because they didn't want to pay him. Right? They shot Andrew Wiggins, and the most people would say is like, here you can have like a second round pick, and and maybe we'll take that contract. But that's a salary dump. Why would the Warriors do that? At that at that point, it's a matter of. Well, you're just paying extra money, but you still need a player like Andrew Wiggins. He's not a bad basketball player. He's bad for the contract. But as a basketball player himself, you're a bad basketball player. And they tried to package that pick. They tried to get someone like Bradley, to your point, great point, like like someone like Bradley Beal, but they, could, they couldn't get him, right? The Washington didn't want to move him, and they didn't have a compelling offer to get him. The other part of it here is, there's really nobody else that they could get with that second pick. That second pick wasn't like a second pick in next year's draft. Now, if you're sending a, now, if the Warriors stumble again onto the second pick in next year's draft, uh, you can flip that baby for anything, right? You can tell <laughs> yeah. someone, well, you can have, you can have Jalen Suggs or Jalen green, right? Pick, pick, like, right. Pick one. And they're going to end up with Giannis. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it's, it's the problem is they're telling people, Hey, you can have the double ball for James Wiseman. And the New York Knicks are saying, why the hell would I want that? Right. <laughs> right. Uh, these teams are like, I, we don't care. So, so there wasn't value in that. Um, I think there was even the Bulls. There was that Wendell Carter trade movement. There's a bunch, right? Even my like that one was a lot. out there a little bit. That was, that was a fine one. I think the Warriors really just said, it, like, they really looked at that and then they just said, why? Like, who cares? Right. It's Wendell Carter. He's fine. But 
Well, I think it's Wendell Carter and Denny, the Denny, whatever, Avicita. I'm not going to pronounce his name the right way, but I uh, think I would have done it. I think I would have done, but, but I think end of the day, they just say, Hey, we like this guy. Uh, And I think unless there was a trait there in it, and I don't think there was, I don't think there was, Um, then then what's the point? And they have to think a little bit about Pascal's future. Steph's going to be 33, um, I believe here in about six months uh, or four months. And I think he, Steph, wants a Tim Duncan role, Dirk Nowitzki role with this team, right? He understands that he's not going anywhere. He's going to sign the max. They're not going to win a title this year unless you tell me, like, God forbid, you know, uh, Giannis or LeBron or AD or these guys get hurt. They're not going to win a title. No, they're not winning the title anyway. There's no, everybody can get hurt. They're not winning the title. Like, what are we doing? No, no Andy, I'm not I allowing disagree. this. They're not this winning the title. I disagree. They're not winning the title. <laughs> it's over. You're not I winning can, the title I can, this I year. I see a path. This, Do this you? Team is, this team is good. Do you Bring see me back a path? on the podcast two months from now. I see a path. Okay. Uh, I like it would it. be a lucky path in this case. This is this is what people think the Warriors got in terms of luck the past five years. The Warriors would actually need luck <laughs> this time around to actually win a title. Yes. But I wouldn't care. Um, <laughs> uh, I could see them getting to Western Conference Finals. Oh, my God. I don't think Yeah. I, I love I, gen- I genuinely do. Like, I'm not just saying that. Like, I, I can see these teams don't impress me in the Western Conference. Um, the Miami Heat made the, made the NBA Finals. And, that was the East. The Warriors put together. It was the East. Yeah. You're, you're and not I getting through the West LA teams with this lineup. You're not, that great. you're not You're not doing it. It's not happening with the L- Like, you're not getting through the I, LA I, juggernauts. Well, if the Clippers lost to the Denver Nuggets, who I think are a fluke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's I like not a this. mentally tough team down there in LA. Not not the LeBron team, but the other team. That's a soft team. Um, Kelly Oubre. Soft don't cut it from the pussy. Do you like? Did you like the trade? Yeah. Do you like how he fits in with this group? Kelly Oubre is uh, he's funny. Um, he's funny in that I think the Warriors finally found someone that women like more than Steph Curry. <laughs> um, and, and Kelly Oubre. It's they, wait. They do women it, like Steph Curry? Oh yeah. Oh, really? Are you kidding me? I didn't know this. Oh. I didn't know Steph Curry had that kind of effect. I did. I did not know this. Oh yeah. I mean, I I went on a date with this girl uh, oh, a couple no. weeks ago, and she's a big Warriors fan. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, we're still talking. I keep her as my. I, I put her phone contact as number one Kelly Oubre fan. <laughs> she's not gonna listen to this though. She won't. So, no, I, uh, so she, she was literally like, "Oh my god, the Warriors have like the best looking Warriors team: <laughs> Steph, Clay, Kelly Oubre." And I'm just sitting there on our first date, like, "What the hell am I walking into here?" <laughs> do you want that in your life andy how can uh, you compete look, man, it's a pandemic it's a pandemic oh no it went well the day went well so i mean I, I, it, so, you know <laughs> did she think uh, steph deserved well, both actually, mvps what's that did she think steph deserved unanimous mvp Oh no, she's a huge Warriors fan. Yeah, so okay, that's, uh, well, that's that's good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. wild. And, you know, I can't do anything like that. So, uh, I didn't know he was on the same level as Kelly Oubre because Kelly Oubre just seemed like the universal like go-to thirst trap. But like, yeah. I didn't know Steph was actually on that level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Steph has been. Have you seen Steph's mom? I mean, come on. All right, um, all right. I, 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 I don't know what to say here. Uh, we. We pause to take a quick break offline to address this matter because I will not answer it on the podcast while we're recording. But uh, Andy, we will we will discuss um, Steph's mom after this show. Um, <laughs> you know what's crazy is this is the kind of stuff that um, 
Aisha Curry got mad about, right? Like this is like the we're we're just bypassing Aisha and we're going straight to Steph's mom, which also a terrible, <laughs> brutal thing because there's nothing worse than having a hot mom. It seems like if you're a teenage guy, like that 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 had to I be hard for him. Bomani made that point. Bomani made that point a few times that I couldn't stop laughing. It's true. Oh, I, I, I had friends like that growing up where it's like there's nothing worse. Like that is awful. Like there's no escaping it. Like there's no escaping it because. What's weird about that is that you end up calling your friend. Like, I don't call any of my other friends' moms by, like, their first name, but you do it around that friend because you're like, how is, uh, how's Elaine? How, oh, how? Like, you hey, go first I, name. I call you... my ex-girlfriend's mom by her first name. Exactly. Oh, that yeah. Oof. She was hot. Yeah. See, well, that's that how it works. works. I don't know why that is. We go by the first name. We know it uh, grinds their gears more. But if you say Mrs. Whoever, <laughs> it's it's a clear indication that that person is, uh, not uh not hot so that is something to know <laughs> what path have we gone down i have um, no I idea I'll, I'll take I'll, I'll take i'll take uh, i'll take blame for that um but that's a great point i hadn't thought about that um i should probably answer the kelly Oubre question um it'd be nice before i get my I podcast like, like completely taken off apple podcast <laughs> uh, that'd be great Andy. This is good stuff oh yeah. <laughs> I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be fun to watch this season. I don't know how good he's going to be. He shot thirty five percent from three. It has gone up every single season. He says all the right things in terms of how hard he plays. Difference between Ubre and Wiggins is that Wiggins has a little bit more shake. He has a little bit more handle. He has better overall talent. But uh, Wiggins doesn't shoot as well. Um, in my opinion, Wiggins plays better defense. But Kelly Ubre has that like tenacity in him that is like Draymond and Clay esque, whereas you don't see that in Wiggins. Um, so that fits in with uh, the Warrior style and, and really this defensive scheme that they want to play. Uh, they foresee Wiggins and Oubre as being like the two guys that can get to the hole, especially if you have the quote-unquote Steph gravity that uh, Warrior fans love to talk about. So uh, I think Wiggins is going to be fine. They'll probably need him to shoot like 38% to be great. He won't. It'd be great if he could get to like 36 uh, and play good defense. Um, so it'll be fine. Um, he'll be he'll be really fun to watch. I think the Warriors are a team that want to keep him. Um, they do have his bird rights, and and they can pay him um, since they traded for him. So it'd be funny if they end up giving him a big contract after this because the tax bill might get up to like five hundred million. But you know, it's not our money. <laughs> it's Joe Jacobs. Yeah. Um, you mentioned this a little bit that like Dre was immediately out after Game One last year. Um, without Clay. For another season, another content. Like I understand. Like don't don't go into full Warriors mode here. Without Clay, for another season, is it not more plausible that Draymond gets antsy about not playing for a contender and not playing for anything? As someone who is just so competitive as Draymond Green is and who he's represented by, is there not a possibility that Draymond is like? Playing for the seventh and eighth seed in the West is not good enough for me. Like Steph is okay oh. moving into the ten back and roll, but I don't know if Draymond is okay with not being on a contender for another year. Is that fair? Uh, okay, so that's a hell of a, it's a hell of a question. It's mm-hmm. a great question. I I don't I don't think so. There's two parts to the question. I think one part is fair, one part isn't. Um, I don't <laughs> think if the if the Warriors are in the race for a playoff seed, um, I think Draymond will be fine with that. And so I don't think that's fair. I think the fair part is Draymond asking out. So, and I think that's not because of whether they're going to be good or not. Because whether they're going to be good or not, it's going to depend on how Draymond is going to play. 
and I keep saying this because, I, dude, like Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins could be shit or they could be great. Like they'll probably be in the middle, but it doesn't really matter. If Steph and Draymond are great, they're going to be in the hunt. And so if the Warriors are going to be for some reason a nine seed and they're clawing for a playoff spot despite great health, then it's probably Draymond's fault. It's probably not Steph's fault, but he's going to be, he's going to play very well. Then it's going to be Draymond's fault. And if Draymond wants out because of that, then it's like, well, get the fuck out of here. Who cares, right? I don't think Draymond is going to retire Warrior. Um, I think he is antsy in terms of he does one out because he feels like he doesn't get enough credit. And for what reason, I couldn't tell you. I'm just telling you that's maybe how he feels. Um, and I think that the Warriors feel that way as well. I, I don't think they hate each other, but I think there's a certain level of understanding between the two sides. And I say the two sides, meaning the Warriors and Draymond's. I think they kind of understand like, hey, we're probably not going to. Your Draymond is not Stephen Clay. Stephen Clay are most likely going to retire as a warrior. Like Steph, ninety nine percent Clay, like ninety, and Draymond is probably like sixty. Because I'm going to retire a warrior, just because of what you said. Like his the way he the way he thinks of himself and the way he has for the last few years. He might request a trade, I guess is what I'm just trying to say. Um, if this is a situation that he feels like is not like good enough for him or that he feels like he's not getting enough credit. I can see that happening. And he also knows that the Warriors are looking at getting guys like Giannis and Tenacupo. And I don't say this as a homerist thing. I don't know. Very realistic possibility. Yeah. Um, someone and has so to go in that scenario. That, like he's the one who goes. Yeah. yeah. And he kind of knew that with KD too. Like yeah. he kind of knew, like, well, if KD wanted to sign and KD said, I don't want Draymond here, don't ship Draymond out in two seconds. KD just never said that because he never wanted to play. The biggest change on the court with Steph and Dre without Clay will be what this season? Shooting. <laughs> they don't have enough shoot they don't have enough shooters. Mm. <laughs> they have Steph Curry and then they got a bunch of guys that shoot thirty three to thirty six percent from three. And I am cautiously optimistic that they can get into the 35% range, but Angel Wiggins is a 33% career three-point shooter. And you're telling me he's shooting 33% again with Steph next to him? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. What are we talking about here, right? Ken Bazemore, 35%, but extremely streaky. Brown Wanamaker shoots like 38 or something, but he only shoots like one or two a game, right? Yeah. Um, and he can only shoot I like Wanamaker, by the way. Uh, he's not going to be Sean Livingston, but I think up. he's actually going to be really good for y'all. Yeah, Bazemore and Wanamaker were great pickups. Well, hold on. Um, Bazemore, saw, is, I, Bazemore has been watched for two years. As a Hawks watcher, like he, he is yeah, absolutely watched. Uh, he was good in Atlanta. Oh, sorry. Uh, it, Sacramento. Uh, uh, last you, year, but. you could have Kent Bazemore. Good, good luck with that. <gasps> they need him. They need him. They, they need these guys, especially. They, they need him because I think they'll, they'll, they'll scratch together. Well, I actually think on offense, they'll put together the top 10 if Steph is fine. They'll put together a top 10 offense because of Steph. Um, so I'm kind of contradicting myself here, but they need to put together a top half of the league defense. I compare this team a lot in terms of what Steve Kerr is going to try to do to the Miami Heat because the Miami Heat have kind of defenders, but they kind of don't. Anytime you got a couple white dudes, you know you're not having too many defenders, right? They got Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. But... Spolster is the best coach in the NBA, in my opinion. And he, like, put together a defense. And I forgot to throw in Goran Dragic. They put together a top 12 defense. So Steve Kerr can find a way, because he has enough athleticism and length, 
to get this team into a top 15, top 12 defense, then now, now I think we're talking about a team that's like realistically a good playoff team. Um, I just don't know if they can get there. But offensively, I think they'll be all right. But yeah, without Clay, they just won't. But man, if I were, if I were a team that were playing the Warriors, I'd throw three at stuff and say, Kelly Oubre, can you score 30 tonight? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, uh, it's probably not. <laughs> probably no, not. <laughs> he, I mean, maybe once every three months. I think that can happen every yeah. now and then. Um, yeah. Yeah. Last thing, we'll wrap up here, Andy. Um, yeah. This is painful for me. As someone who's reading Golden right now, as someone who has just been a Steph defender for the last decade, um, he's my favorite basketball player I've watched in the last 10 years. Um, I love Steph. I feel bad for Steph. He's gotten a lot of shit. He will continue to get a lot of shit for the rest of his career. And long after he's gone, like you will never be looked at in a correct lens, in my opinion, especially by players. Is it over in your estimation for Steph winning another championship as the primary option for the Golden State Warriors? Ooh, yeah, that's a great question, too. Um, Damn, nothing but nothing but tough ones today, huh? I'm a journalist, um, Andy. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I would say this year, yeah, it's over. <laughs> Clay Thompson's out, so I would say this yeah. year it's over. And then you're looking at 35 uh, when the finals roll around the next time he has a full group. Yeah, 30, 34, but whatever, same thing. Um, well, no, I'm saying he'll be 34 next year, and then by the time the finals roll around, he's inching really, really close to 35. Like he oh, no, is... he'll, be, he'll be 33 next year. Um, oh, okay. I thought but, he was, oh, I thought, okay. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, you're, we're, yeah, we're talking about a year, right? So yeah. It's about the same, but again, I, I, I would say there's a three-year window. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a three-year window right now from now to 35. Yeah, so he's 32, 33, 34, 35. There's a three-year window of him being a sole player, I think of Steve Nash as the easy, it's the easy comp. Everybody says Steve Nash, right? And Steve Nash was still an MVP, um, if not MVP, a first-team All-NBA player, all the way until he was almost like 36, right? And Steph Curry is a steroided version of Steve Nash in that he's about the same size, not the same type of passer, but a superb, if Steve Nash shot the same amount as Steve, Steph Curry, he would, be, he would be averaging an incredible amount of points. Um, kept keeps, Steve Nash was in incredible shape all the way until kind of everything fell apart. Steph Curry is probably the most in shape player in the NBA. Um, I mean, LeBron is right up there too, right? So I would say there's three years. It, it would depend on, to me, what happens, a couple things. <laughs> Does Giannis come? That's the easy bailout answer. Because if Giannis comes, he's only coming for one person. He's only coming for Steph. They're good friends. And they talk. If he's coming, they're only, Are coming, they good he's friends? only coming for one guy. Yeah. Oh, I didn't um, they know got this. the same agency. Okay. Yeah. They got, I wouldn't say they're like LeBron and AD best buds um, because, because AD is a cuck and he just does whatever <laughs> LeBron tells him what to do. Uh, <laughs> you can cut that out of the pot. I'm absolutely um, not cutting but, that out. <laughs> um, but, but, but I think they're like genuinely respectful of each other and they like the way that he. Um, each other has dealt with kind of like wins and losses in their careers. They're kind of the same person, right? They're kind of they family people, um, hard workers. Uh, the way they play is different. Now, I guess you could argue if Giannis is on the team, who really is the one that's controlling the team? When KD was on the team, I'd argue with you that it was still Steph Curry. KD thinks differently. That's why he left. Um, <laughs> is it over? I would say no. I would say no, but that clay injury really ruined it um, because – 
like I would say maybe like a 30%, 25% chance because if Clay was healthy, I would say yes. I would say they probably win a title in the next three years if Clay was healthy and back this season. Um, but he's not. And I think Clay's probably done being a 40-minute-per-game guy. You know what I mean? Like, he's done. He'll probably be a 28-minute-per-game, 3 and D, kind of like a, a much more souped-up version of Wes Matthews, right? Um, oh, God. I'm not ready that, for that. That's going to be sad. Be. Oh, I think it's going to be more Ray Allen yeah, with that's the Heat. The that's what I would guess. He's going to be more Ray Allen with the Heat. That would be better. That that would be better. And but that's still, you know, Ray Allen was kind of lost then. Like, yeah, he, wasn't he was. A big but he was still hitting game. And, he was still hitting game winners in the finals. He was still someone who was important in crunch time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 so I would say there's a couple things. And then if you want to look at the long term run, I'll, I'll, I'll leave with that last scenario. And this is a scenario that I think Steph enjoys, and I think the Warriors front office wants to see. The final scenario is that Andrew Wiggins takes a step forward. Kelly Oubre takes a step forward. You have two wings that are around 25 years old. You have James Wiseman, who's going to be the center, who has unlimited talent and potential, at least from a physical attribute perspective. He ends up being kind of like, I don't know, a better version of Miles Turner. Let's just say that because I don't want to say Chris Bosh because that sounds ridiculous. So let's just say he's an above average center. Then you use next year's pick, the Minnesota pick. Let's say you end up at six and you pick Jalen Johnson or somebody in that Zaire Williams, right? You pick someone like that. They end up being another wing player that could be a near superstar. And now you have four or five young players that can extend your prime, right? And extend that supporting cast for the next six, seven years, well, five, six, seven years. And I think that's what Steph is envisioning. He's envisioning himself as being the guy that brought the Warriors from trash to title contention then to the peak with Kevin Durant. Then now as they're falling, bringing them to the next phase of superstars, right? And who the Warriors hope will be James Wiseman, who they hope will be whomever the wing that they draft in next year's draft is. Um, and I think that's what he wants, right? That's what he wants in his 18 years, whatever, in the NBA. Um, whether that means he's the top, you know, ball handler or so initiator, I don't know. But if you were to ask me, do I think he wins another title in a Warriors uniform? I would, I would say yes. That I would say yes. Interesting, interesting. All right, Andy, we got to leave it there. Um, what can we check out from you at Light Years or anywhere else that you would like to uh, plug before you get out of here tonight? Yeah, man, just Light Years podcast. If you uh, uh, if you enjoy Warriors talk, so we got we got Light Years, we got the free stuff. You can subscribe to the Premium if you want. But if not, you know. Check me out on the timeline. I don't tweet as much anymore. So, me, me and Chase are getting old. We're getting washed. But uh, we're almost thirty, on, man. Andy. Appreciate we're it. almost thirty. I know, man. I don't fucking remind me. Dude. No, I'm okay with it. I don't know about you. I'm worse. I'm good with it. I love getting older. I I, I I love getting older. I can't drink as much. I think it's probably the only thing. Uh well, you're you're still. You're you're getting in the kickball or something. I, I seem to recall running. You're you're still into the exercise, as I can tell, Andy, yeah, on yeah. Instagram. A lot of running. A lot I like running. running too. You know, we gotta like, yeah. But you do more mountains, so. mountain stuff. I don't do the mountain stuff. I do. I don't do the trail running like you do. Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, hey, COVID. What else are I going to do? Can't go to raves. Can't go to con. Can't go to bars. <laughs> well, you're we, too old for raves and concerts, Andy. You're like 37. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm too old for clubs, but okay. I'm not too old for raves. What's yeah, the difference? You know what I mean? That's an old person well, question. What is the difference? 
No, so so like a club, it's like it's more like you go out and you're like the the, the goal is like you're having fun, but also like it's a club. Like everybody's kind of like twenty three, mm-hmm. right? Like everybody's kind of like like oh, we just turn of age. We're gonna party. We're gonna try to pick up chicks. A rave is more like I'm gonna go try to see an artist. You know, I want to see Elenium or I want to see like that type of stuff, right? Where it's more like I'm there for the music. So the vibe is very different. Um, so I'm, I'm just transitioning more to the race that was like, Hey, I'm going to go there for the music. I'm going to have a few beers, you know, no drugs. I'll keep it relaxed. I don't know. Let's not get too wild. <laughs> if we did an hour and a half podcast, uh, both of our careers would be over. Yeah, we could do this all day. Um, yeah. <laughs> Andy, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you as always for the time. Uh, be safe out there and, uh, we will check back in soon. You too, brother. Good luck, man. Thank you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.